0: the most common kind of traits or behaviors that I see are people pleasing and perfectionism. And so when, and, and when I say people pleasing, it's not sort of the image that we conjure up of being meek and being stepped on and all of that. It's quite simply just an extreme investment in what other people think period. Mm -hmm. So you can be seemingly gregarious and outspoken and still be crushed. If somebody doesn't approve of you, that's people pleasing.
1: Hello, beautiful, and welcome back. In case this is your first time here, I am your host, Taylor Ray, and today I am thrilled to be sitting down with the amazing Amy E. Smith. Amy is a certified confidence coach, a masterful speaker, and personal empowerment expert. She is the founder of thejoyjunkie.com, and she uses her roles as a coach, writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-love. With a cute focus on helping people to find their voice, Amy is highly sought after for her uncommon style of irreverence, wisdom, and humor, and has been featured as an expert on Fox 5, San Diego, and YourTango.com. Inside of this episode today, we are talking about some epic things. It's such a great conversation. The vibe is fire, and I know that there's going to be so much that you're going to take out of it. We're talking all about how to say no and establish boundaries, how to really find your voice, how to speak up for yourself, effective communication styles, letting go of constant comparison and perfectionism, self-love, self-confidence, and letting go of all things inner critic. So seriously, strap in because this is an excellent episode. Before we do dive Into the episode, I did also want to remind you that the doors are currently open for my four part course, Your Sacred Funnel. This is for my women who are ready to set up systems that serve them as they serve the world. Seriously, if you feel called to set up a sales funnel in a way that is totally aligned, that is going to be totally automated, bringing leads and sales into your business and in a way that just feels so freaking good, then I would love for you to go and check it out. We are starting on September. 15th. It is going to be such a beautiful four weeks as we guide through every single step of the process to creating a sacred funnel in your business. So I would love to hold space for you inside. You can check out all of the course information. There are three different levels of support as well. So if you want hands-on support from me in building out your sacred funnel, this is the time to join me inside. I won't be opening up the doors with this extra live support with me again. So I would love to do it this time with you where I can can really get intentional with you and help you to bring your sacred funnel to life so you can find all the information by heading to taylorray.biz forward slash your sacred funnel and i'll link that one for you in the show notes below as well as you're listening make sure that you screenshot your favorite parts and share them over on instagram tag me at tayrayofficial and you can tag amy at the joy junkie and i'm so excited to see the biggest takeaways that you get out of listening let's dive in gorgeous Amy, Amy E. Smith, the E for a little bit of extra sass on the side. Welcome to the (laughs) podcast. I'm so excited to have you here.
0: I'm thrilled to hang out. I'm, I'm excited to see where this conversation unfolds to.
1: Oh, It's going to be a goodie. I can feel it already. Just getting on our vibe. I feel like we're so aligned. We both show up in very bold, different ways that kind of challenge the way a lot of people tend to show up, I suppose. Um, And that's everything that you are about is the embodiment of that confidence. And it's what you help people around the world to do, which is amazing. So I'm excited to have you on today. I love talking about this topic and really diving into unlocking that inner confidence and just not really giving a fuck what people think. And it is something that I do get asked about a lot and you're obviously an expert in this. So I'm excited to have you on because I feel like people are going to listen. They're going to love it. And they're just going to walk away with this whole untapped sort of like, okay, I can fucking do anything with my life now. Like just feeling so confident in themselves. So thank you for being here and shining your light with our listeners today. I'd love for you to give us a little insight
0: to you, to what it is exactly that you do and how you got into this beautiful work. Oh, my goodness. it's it's quite the tale. And i I think, like many of us, we learn our own lessons and And then, once we've hit rock bottom, <laughs> uh, I know you can feel me on that. We then are able to change that into teaching others and helping others. And so I think, you know, where it really started for me is i I grew up in a very conservative, born-again evangelical Christian family. And so there was a lot of dogma around, you know, fear and guilt and right and wrong, a lot of patriarchal norms. And so there was a lot of kind of butting up against my own intuition in that regard. And I was a creative spirit. I was kind of a, just, I was loud. I was outspoken and it didn't mesh well with that vibe. And, you know, in, in my first family, uh, I, my family of origin, the just a bit of context, my brothers and I were very, very different. So although I get along with them quite well, I was kind of the proverbial good kid, right? It was put yourself through college, started working when I was 14, got married when I was young, like 20, moved out, very self-sustaining. And both my brothers had trouble with the law, had done jail time, had a really tumultuous start. So that's just sort of a little bit of context, but my mom, well, both of my parents had kind of, specifically my mom always kind of grouped me into the same category because to her, the only thing that mattered was subscribing to the religion, right? Mm -hmm. Like you either are walking with the Lord or you're not. So this all very much came to a head in 07 when my father passed away. And so I, had a background in makeup artistry. And so I knew for sure that I wanted to do the makeup for service for his viewing. And on top of that, I knew that I wanted to speak to the crowd of like hundreds of people. I felt very compelled to do that. So needless to say, I felt like I was like winning at daughter that day, you know, like I just did dead dad makeup. And I'm speaking to all these people. Everyone's praying on me and a bunch of shit I don't believe in. And so Mm -hmm. I was winning. I felt like I was winning a daughter. I get back home to my mom's house and she says, she found it the most opportune time to tell me it just feels like we failed as parents that day. It feels like we failed as parents because the three of you kind of grouping us all in together aren't walking with the Lord. Mm. And the only thing that I could kind of muster in that moment was to say, you probably shouldn't say that to a child, you know? And she, Mm. she kind of said, well, that's just how I feel. And that was a defining moment for me in realizing that There are going to be moments that if I truly honor who I am and if I'm authentic and if I speak my truth, it may come down to I choose me over you. I don't think it's always ultimatum status, but that was very clear that, all right, if I'm being pushed up against a wall, I choose me. I, Mm -hmm. I choose me. And then, sort of, the chronology after that was I was so combative. And I wanted to talk about all the liberal things and I wanted to fight. And it wasn't till many years later that I realized, oh my God, I can actually give voice to things without being an asshole about it. Like Mm -hmm. I can actually be assertive and graceful and kind. And it took many, many years of figuring that out. But that is truly now the work that I do in the world, which is kind of a, a dichotomous thing of... On one hand, we're looking at the internal elements of believing that your voice fucking matters to begin with, believing that you are enough, believing that you are valuable or deserving. Everyone sort of has a different... Uh, set of semantics around how they describe self-worth. So it's the internal component. And then it's the external component of, okay, now that I'm all full of confidence and bolstered, how the fuck do I communicate that with people? What does that look like to tell a, tell your family? You don't believe in the faith you were raised in or asking a partner for a divorce or telling a business partner that there's something that's going on that's not working for you. Or if you're pregnant, telling somebody, please don't touch my pregnant belly. You know mm-hmm. Where... What do boundaries, saying no, tough conversations, what do those sound like once you have that sort of internal voice? So that's that's it in a nutshell, how I arrived at this corner of the universe.
1: That's amazing, honestly. And I feel you so much when you were like, oh, the rock bottom. Like I swear everybody goes through something that is so transformative. Well, most people transformative for themselves. And then they find a way to then turn that into a gift or a light or something that they can share with others. And that's obviously so powerfully what you've done. that trauma in itself like that whole experience like obviously you could have just taken that and allowed that to define you in a really negative way but instead you were like okay wait a sec like there's a way that i can rewrite this story there's a way that i can use this to rise up and then i get to share that with others and then empower others which is so powerful so massive commendations to you for doing that that's amazing in itself one thing that came up when you were saying that and i love that you touched on it is that you know initially like coming into that confidence and you know establishing those boundaries for yourself is that you know you turn into a bit of an asshole and then it was like okay like you know that aggressive and i am first to put my hand up and say when i was sort of starting to own who i was and getting confidence in myself and my skin and how i showed up and my own worth i'd went through that as well where i felt like And it's funny because it's not me at all, but I sort of, I'm such a like, happy and like up there sort of person. But for one stage when I was really starting to just like, wait a sec, like I need to redefine myself and get clear on who I am. It's almost like I put this hard exterior out on the outside and you know, my partner, he's quite sure of himself and you know, comes across obviously a lot more masculine than me. So I, and I'm a reflector in human design as well. So it's quite easy for me to like take on personality types. Um, And so that's what happened to me. So I feel like for some people that could really resonate with like, you know, the undoing of who you are and then feeling like almost you go into this complete opposite where it feels aggressive. And then that can feel really scary. Like how do you help people to navigate that, to then come back into that beautiful, like you said, that state of grace while still
0: having that confidence and that assuredness in yourself? Yeah. Well, it's a quite quite the complex answer, and it's not something that I think you can uh, rectify like, boom, done. we're we're done. I, I'm able to deliver all the boundaries with the utmost kindness and grace. It really has been a practice. Mm. but there there is something to be said for understanding that we are naturally going to fight, flee, freeze, or fawn, right? Like those are our natural, ways in which we defend ourselves. So if we are up against something, even with a partner who's telling us they don't like something that we're doing or they're being critical, we will have our gut instinct. We will have our gut response. And so identifying, am I one of those people who just shuts it down and runs away? Am I somebody who fawns, which is, you know, being complicit and being, uh, almost like appeasing whoever it is that you're talking to, a.k.a. People pleasing, like, please don't be mad at me, please don't be upset. Yeah, you know, what are your tendencies? And just having compassion for this is my gut instinct, and that that comes from self preservation. Mm -hmm. So, understanding that and then having compassion for it, and then also understanding that communicating from that defense mechanism does not always yield the results that you want. Mm. So I want to really truly be heard by my mom, for example. I cannot come at her like a bat out of hell and expect to be heard. Is it instinctual? Is it our natural inclination? Sure. Is it the most effective? No. So it's actually a lesson in something that is counterintuitive, which is a little bit bizarre. It's kind of a conscious unlearning. And being someone who is a little bit more the Chihuahua than the nice regal mastiff i have to reel myself in and that looks like a nice strong you know deep breath Mm. and then a real conscious decision of how do i want to show up in this exchange how do i want to how do i want to be here oftentimes i will call that thing that you were describing when self-help goes wrong Right when we get so boundary and we get so confident that we lose compassion, we lose love, we lose kindness, and it's really about embracing that hybrid. And truly, what what I suggest for a lot of people is looking at like let's say you have a conversation with James, you need to have, and it's something that you need to bring to him. Let's say on a Thursday night, to ask yourself the question of. How do I want to feel about the woman that I was on Friday morning? Mm. How do I want to say, like visualize yourself almost having that exchange? How would I want to describe that woman if Mm. I was watching her on a a movie? What are the descriptors? Because what we usually do is we go into those conversations going, this will be successful as long as he sees it my way. This will be successful as long as she agrees to this, that, 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 And then, when we're not met with that, we're retaliatory instead of going, okay, you're allowed to have what you have, you're allowed to feel the way you feel. And then, here's what I'm going to stay anchored into. Mm. And that's a practice, you know, truly getting anchored into that, taking the deep breaths, not being reactionary, um, just stopping yourself from reacting Mm. can be such a huge piece. And saying to somebody, you know what, I really do want to discuss this, or I have a lot of things I'm feeling about this. I don't trust that it will come off kindly. Mm. Can we table this for just two minutes or just an hour or something like that so that I show up in a a much more kind way? Mm. So there's a whole slew of different tactics and things you can employ depending on the situation, but yeah, it's a practice. Yeah. And it sounds honestly like such a powerful practice that
1: sometimes maybe we do subconsciously and we're not even aware of it. But then if, you know, if we're not doing that, then obviously to have that awareness through hearing this from you is so powerful because it's like, wait a sec, I can actually remove myself from this and look at it a little bit differently rather than, as you said, just going at it with that reactionary sort of vibe. Um, And I would love as well, you know, if, that honestly that's such a great practice is to have that intention before going into it and seriously like some of the most powerful transformative conversations i've had with very important people in my life have come from that awareness prior to going in and especially if it can happen on both parts and you're both very intentional about how you want to go in and you're not holding the success of the conversation to be around well you've just got to agree with me for those that are going into a conversation like that and they've, they've got that good intention and they've done all of the practices but then they get into the conversation and they feel like, oh shit, we're spiraling. Like what now? And it you can feel it almost snowballing out of control, what would some of your advice be there?
0: Well, there's a handful of things you can do. One thing is if it's in a continual relationship where this happens often, or this is sort of a dynamic that the two of you have to come up with, and this is preemptive. This is if you can get ahead of it. So this would be one strategy where the two of you come up with either. a phrase that you say that's kind of like a timeout, but it's, it can be really fun if it's a seemingly innocuous phrase, like the eagle flies at dawn, the or the flying monkeys have taken flight, or something like that, where it's not like you're being a bitch or you're being, you know, name calling. Something like that. It can also be a physical gesture, something that you do with your body, your body language, um, you know, even just like a timeout signal something like that that you're on the same page with where it's like and and you mutually agree ahead of time that if someone calls that like calls timeout or whatever that there's an understanding and a respect around that now if you're actually having that engagement in the middle of something and you're going how the fuck do I get out of this hmm. it really really depends on the nature of the relationship and it depends on the nature of the conversation one of the things that i think people get tripped up on a lot is taking the bait of the other person's energy. And it can be very, very difficult because as humans, we naturally will mimic energy, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're driving and somebody like honks at you and is like, what the fuck? You know, we, we kind of go right back at them. We don't go, oh my gosh, I'm going to try to drive a little differently now. Thank you so much for bringing that up. We don't do that. (laughs) We mirror, we mirror the energy. So the more vulnerable you can show up, which is really hard for most people but the softer you can show up and the more you can say I hear what you're saying that's not what we're discussing at the moment Mm -hmm. what I would like to bring us back to is what we're talking about here I'm happy to discuss that with you at a later time but I don't think that's fair to bring up all you know depending on whatever is being said in that moment Um, but also I think it's definitely something to be said for radical personal responsibility to say, here's what's happening for me. I don't trust that I can continue to converse with you if you're speaking to me in that way. So sometimes it's abusive and you have to straight up call out. I won't be talked to like that. I'm happy to continue this conversation, but not if you speak to me in that way. Mm. So sometimes it's a hard line boundary. That's usually when it's a lot more verbal kind of abuse that that's excuse me. Uh, and so I think it, it really, really depends. Is there, do you have a situation that you can say like, Oh, I had a client who did this or, Oh, I had, I had a specific situation where I didn't know what to say here with somebody. Cause sometimes those are really great for me to kind of workshop.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I, I hear you on all of that. And I think that it is so powerful and I think people can really take away from your example in whatever scenario it is that it's applicable to them it's like okay now you've got tools now you've got tactics whether you're going into it or whether you're in it and you need to have an approach that's going to bring you back so that you can obviously get to some sort of resolution that's good for both of you I think that that is amazing and there's just so many notes that will be taken right now as we're speaking which is amazing but what I would love to take it back to I love that we went straight to you know relationships and things like that but I think you know it would be good to do a bit more of the let's let's take it back a little bit and look more at the internal. So starting to look at the relationship that we have with ourselves first, because they feel like, you know, if we can really touch on that, then that often is going to be what's then going to give the confidence in the relationships and the situations with other people. So something that you talk about a lot is silencing your inner critic or your inner shit talker, Mm -hmm. which is what you love to call it. Um, I'd love for you to dive into this
0: and to talk about what that is and how we can handle it better. Well, again, this is another piece of our... Evolution as humans, our inner critic is really basically just the critical factor of the mind. It's the ability to start discerning is something safe for me or is it not safe for me? So, the way in which the mind works is we register things that are either known or unknown. So, if something is unknown to us, like speaking up for ourselves or having uh, starting a new business, let's say, or something that is unknown territory to us, that little inner critic, that critical factor of the mind jumps in and goes, wait a minute, are you sure this is safe? It's always working to keep you at homeostasis, which for many of us is stagnation and not growing and not developing. Mm -hmm. So if you can understand that 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 little voice is, is coming in almost like a really scared best friend or the younger version of you going, are you sure we're allowed to do this? (laughs) Are you sure we're safe? And it will do that when things are, when you're onto something, when you really are like, yes, I do need to go after this business endeavor or I need to start this new product or whatever. And it will also get loud when you are actually in danger, when you are actually about to make some sort of catastrophic mistake. So that's where fear and inner critic becomes really imperative to understand and unpack. Cause you will feel fear when you're onto something and also when you need to abort mission. Hmm. So being able to understand, okay, all it's doing right now, and the and then the inner critic is just the voice of fear. That's it. Coming in saying, Are you sure we need to do this? Are you? Ah, da, ah, da. And so you have to take those statements and go, and look behind them and look at, am I actually in danger here? Mm. Is this something that's really not a good idea for my own safety? Or is this simply unknown? Is this just something I've never experienced before and my brain is registering it as unsafe? Mm. So that's one sort of small little step you can, can take with that inner shit talker. Uh, But another just kind of basic one, I think, is inventorying yourself, going through your day in and day out life and look at when is that voice the loudest. Mm. And then some people don't, they don't actually hear voices. They don't hear a very literal voice. Sometimes your inner critic will speak to you through emotion. Mm. So like, for example, maybe you're scrolling through Instagram and you see somebody who just launch their business and they're killing it. And you maybe don't hear the words, you suck. You're never going to be successful They're So, you know, everybody is better than you. You might not hear the words, but you might have that sinking feeling in your gut, like where you experience an emotion. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then some people have both. So you have to look at what's my entry point. So for me, I have both. I will sometimes hear very little literal words and I'll sometimes feel sort of a pit in my stomach. Yeah. And that, so take whatever the entry point is and look behind it and go, mm. okay, wait a minute. What was that statement about? Is that my inner critic just talking shit because it's scared of this, it's scared of something? Mm. Is that, uh, what's behind that emotion? What did I just make up? What did that emotion just tell me? And then I can look behind it and go, oh, it was saying, if so and so successful, that must mean that you can't be, or you're too slow, or you're not, fill in the blank. Mm. So yeah, a couple of strategies.
1: It's really good. And I feel like it plays in so well, especially for those who are, you know, they've got their own businesses or they're getting started or they're scaling. And one of the biggest things that I get asked about all the time is like that comparison, their perfectionism side of things. And honestly, it is something that it, we stop ourselves, you know, like nothing's actually yeah. stopping us. It's just us stopping ourselves. So I feel like that plays in, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with that comparisonitis side of things and with perfectionism, like, would you feel like those sort of tools are really good assets to lean into when those sort of things come up?
0: Sure. You know, there, as far as comparison and perfectionism and even people-pleasing or the need to control, most of the time, those are behaviors that we are employing in order to feel safe in some way. So for example, perhaps as a child, you, you learned that by overachieving and being flawless and being perfect you garnered some sort of attention from your primary caregivers, from mom and dad or whoever raised you. So that became the way in which you stayed safe. Now it's embedded in your DNA and you continue to live into that because that's become your identity. And then you can have other situations where we aren't happy with what we are doing or we're not pleased with our own action or inaction. Mm-hmm. And that's when comparison comes in. Uh, it could be specifically around triggering people who, who don't have their shit together and constantly are berating you. So it can be a whole myriad of different places. But again, I think it's about coming back to what are my behavioral tendencies when when I am feeling less than, when I am feeling overwhelmed, when I am feeling as though I am not good enough where do I go? Because a lot of times we'll have some kind of behavior. Sometimes it's addictive stuff like Netflixing out like crazy or alcohol or whatever it might be. But sometimes it's perfectionism. Mm-hmm. It's like these, this is how I can feel safe. This is how I can handle you know, the stress that's going on. So I think it really depends on the individual and what they're up against and, and kind of dissecting it a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I so understand that. Um, I would love to segue into finding your voice it's something that you are obviously so good at and I know that you help a lot of people to do it and for those that are listening and maybe they're wanting to get started they're wanting to kick off and jump out of the nine-to-five or trust themselves enough that you know what they know and what they are is enough and they can start showing up for other people but maybe they've got that self-doubt going on or they're just not really sure of who their authentic self is even though they hear that thrown around all the time what is your approach to helping Helping someone to find their voice.
0: Well, you, I, it depends what context you're asking. If you're asking about like finding your unique space in the marketplace, like your, your brand or your business, I think that's one thing, but then finding the areas in which you need to just speak up and be vocal about things is, is a completely different thing. Because we can look at, you know, how do I want to identify my business? What are the things that I want to share and, and speak up about? I personally think that comes a little bit easier than having tough conversations with your partner or mm-hmm. uh, even people you might be teaching or educating or family. Usually it's family. And so yeah. the place that I usually will point people to is to look at what are and who are the people that you constantly complain about. Who are the people in your life who you chronically bring up? So for example, maybe you're constantly talking about a business partner or, and it's your your romantic partner who gets the earful, or you're always pissed about about your mom and what she's doing, but it's your sister who gets an earful.
1: Mm. So a
0: lot of times, if we look at the things that we consistently and chronically complain about, we can find an area in which we need to speak up and we need to start. Giving voice to things. But I would also start looking at, you know, obviously, A, what are the things that I constantly complain about? Is there something that I need to give voice to there? And the other is, are there places that I specifically silence myself? Is it in my business? Is it with my family? Is it around, you know, like social justice or things like that that have been really quite poignant lately? And, you know, what are those specific things where I, allow my silence to make me a liar. And that's one kind of governing mantra that I operate under is I will not allow my silence to make me a liar. So as far as finding your voice, if we're talking about what that sounds like, uh, in a business frame, I would say, especially if you're really, really at the beginning, you just got to get out there and start doing things Mm -hmm. and talking about things and learning and consuming and doing it. Cause I think there are a lot of people who want to over-educate, get, you know, let me get one more business class, one more, this, one more, this, one more before I actually go out there. Mm -hmm. And what you actually need to do is practice. And that's one of the things that for me was very illuminating and I realized, oh, okay, in this world of personal development, the place that I am the strongest and the things that I like the most are around all things communication, speaking up for yourself, boundaries, saying no, all of that but you have to get out there and actually start experimenting. And that's the way confidence is built. You know, we think that confidence is something we will magically have, and then we can go after shit. No, 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 no. Confidence is built by courage actions over time. Courageous actions over time is how you get to confidence. So there's a vulnerability to that. So, yeah.
1: I love that and it it's yeah it's honestly it is something as you said like a lot of people you know they wait until they feel ready but if you wait until you feel ready then you're never going to feel ready like it's always I'll be ready when like I'll just do this something I'll do this other thing and you know a big one I always say is like action creates clarity and it sounds exactly like what you're talking about yes. like getting out there doing the damn thing like that's going to be what is going to create that confidence for you and I think that people being able to hear that is really powerful because it's like, okay, like if you're, if you're feeling that doubt right now and you're waiting until you're going to feel a little bit more confident before you start taking those steps, like take the steps and then know that the confidence is going to come from that place. And you know, a lot of the time there's going to be things that you'll suck at and there's going to be things that you'll fail at and you'll fuck it up. And that's okay. Like that's going to be a part of the journey to helping you get more confident and to learn new things and different things that you can pass on and think things that you can do better, like all those sort of things. So I think that that's phenomenal, phenomenal advice. I'd love to hear your take on maybe a situation and, you know, as well, the embodiment of you in your business, in your brand, the way that you show up, like, has it always been like that or were like other examples of when it was really difficult or you sort of, doubted yourself in the way that you showed up? Like,
0: how has that process, you know, evolved for you? That's interesting. I know <laughs> I, it's been so easy the whole time. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> um, at, at the very, very beginning, and I started my coaching practice in 09, I think. In the very beginning, my first brand was ridiculous. It was like waterfalls and rainbows. It was kind of your your like I think I had like those pebbles that are stacked up on each other, <laughs> you know, sort of the the clip art of holistic healing and stuff like just so not who I am. Mm. And I remember and I had used the term like evolve life coaching. That was like what it was. And I had built a website and I showed it to my best friend and she was like it's nice but it's not you <laughs> and i went through sort of this uh kind of a growth spurt there where i was like oh okay if i am going to be in this business of authenticity and vulnerability i need to show up the exact way that i am and so that was very very short lived the next iteration of it and i'm sure you've dealt with this too there was a time when you can't have tattoos and be professional. You can't cuss and be professional. And I'm like, watch me do it. Mm -hmm. And uh so I think in fact I had a I had a colleague of mine circle back and said, you were doing that before it was like cool to do it. And I'm like, I don't think I battled, so calm down. (laughs) But I think the the thing that was uh really clear to me at at the very beginning Or close to the beginning after that, that sort of breakthrough was that there are going to be people who really don't like you, don't like your vibe, don't like how you speak, don't irritated about something. And that's great because you probably, they would probably drive you batshit crazy anyway. They're not your people. So the more that you are anchored into who you truly are and how you, what you, what your real struggles are, and you're vulnerable about that, the more you attract your tribe, the more people go, hell yes, I will, f- you know, fight tooth and nail for you. I will be with you. You know, you get these undying fans. So I think there's something to truly be said about that. Mm. I'm sure you have similar oh My God, experience.
1: yeah. <laughs> 100%. So many examples, but it's so true. Like, it is so, so true. And like, that even the journey that you're explaining, like the involvement of yourself and how you showed up first round as opposed to how you're showing up now. Like it is it's like what you were saying before, like the confidence comes with the journey and you you step into it more and more and more. And I'm the same as you. I look back and I'm like, Really? <laughs> right. <laughs> but like it is what it is. And that's part of, you know, that growth. So I definitely, definitely do feel you on that for sure. I love what you talked about with the cultivation of, you know, the undying fans and like calling in your soul tribe. And I think that this ties in obviously with friendships. Um, And I'm first to say, you know, I've shifted so much over time and, you know, I used to be like back in the day, like party gal. And that was, that was basically it, like uni days and stuff like that. And once I started to really value myself and valued my worth and started to get clear about how I wanted to show up in the world, a lot of those friendships fell away. And same thing, you know, with business, you know, when you get really clear on your mission and your message, like being open to the fact that people are going to fall away, they're not necessarily going to be in alignment with you for every single stage of your journey. And that's something that I had to really learn to embrace, you know, let go of those people so that the right people can come on in. And that definitely comes with its backlash. Like I've had my share of emails who were like, I oh, really don't appreciate you saying the word fuck. And I'm like, okay, well you can unsubscribe right now because just just, they're yeah. going to keep coming and I'm just not your person. And that's fine. I wish you all the best. Yes. I send you love. Like, off you go, go find the person that's right for you. And then 10 more yeah. come in who are like, fucking yes. Like so excited. Yes, so, exactly. You know, Not filtering yourself based on the perception of one person, like staying true to that authentic you. Um, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that, you know, calling in the right people and as well, you know, I'm, I'm almost giving you like a two part question here, but For those that are trying to figure out who they are and maybe they're too used to looking to everyone else for the answers, what do you think about this? How should I show up? What about this? And feeling like the perception of everybody else is more important than the perception of themselves. I'd love for some advice and some tips on that to stand in that authentic truth, what that could look like.
0: Yeah. This is something that I I see a lot with my students, particularly because the most common kind of traits or behaviors that I see are people pleasing and perfectionism. Yeah. And so when, and and when I say people pleasing, it's not sort of the image that we conjure up of being meek and being stepped on and all of that. It's quite simply just an extreme investment in what other people think, period. Mm-hmm. So you can be seemingly gregarious and outspoken and still be crushed if somebody doesn't approve of you. That's people pleasing. So when you are in that place you are used to getting all of your support and all your validation from a source outside of yourself mm. so when you start getting to this place where you're like oh my gosh i need to find out who i really am and what i really believe there's a grief that's involved there where you kind of go holy shit i don't i don't have a compass i don't know where to go mm. if i don't have all of this influence so recognizing that that's scary, that's really scary because we're, again, shaking up that status quo and that, that homeostasis. And that feels very scary to that inner shit talker. It's going to go, oh, who do you think you are? It's going to send in all the battleships.
1: Mm.
0: So I think one of the, the places to look is how can I start experimenting mm. with who I am? And it could be as simple as starting to listen to podcasts, read books, checking in with the things that really hit home and resonate with you, the things that make sense. And then you can go, okay, yes, here's what I do care about. And we can start also by kind of reverse engineering that and writing down, I mean, this to me, what this comes down to is your core value system. Like what are the components that must be present in your life in order for you to be fulfilled? There will probably be some blank spots that you don't know that will take some experimentation. It might be trying out this group or that group or this event or this hobby or this career path, or, you know, there might be some experimentation, but jot down the stuff that you already know. What are the things that, that you do? Like, do you love to be organized? Do you love stability? Do you, uh, value nature and the out, you know, there's a handful of things that you probably do already know, but we're so in this place of, I'm lost and I'm stuck. We put that as a blanket on everything in our life, but there's, it's likely that you do know some of the things that, that are your identity. And then you build on that. Mm. I that right there, that little sentence at the end was just like, "Mm, it just feels so good. Because
1: ultimately the stories that we tell ourselves of what we create to be our truth. So if you're sitting there and you're telling yourself, I'm so stuck, like I don't know, I have no idea, I have no moral compass. Oh my God, I'm lost. And you sit in that, then that's going to create more and more of that. But I love what you said there, where it's like, wait, stop telling yourself that story. Grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, and start writing down the things that you already know to be true because you do know yourself. Like you actually do. It's just about, I think. For a lot of us, and I know that I didn't do it for a really long time, it was like, I didn't ask myself the damn question. Like I literally wasn't asking because I was so consumed with people pleasing, with looking at what everybody else thought of me, their perception of me. And you know, Enneagram three over here, the achiever. So like that was, that played in massively for me. (laughs) And everything that you were saying before about, you know, from your childhood and like achieving, like that used to be my truth as well. Like that used to be mine and I had to break free from that by doing a lot of the inner work that you're saying as well, like asking yourself those questions, getting clear on it and going deeper and going deeper and going deeper all the time. And, you know, also being open to that evolvement as well and knowing that there's going to be more things that are going to come in and you're going to have, you know, extra little pieces of you that are going to grow and going to blossom. And you're going to get to know yourself even better over time, but it really does come from asking those questions. So I love that. I think that that's, yeah, a beautiful thing that people can literally take away right after this and go and do. So that's amazing.
0: On a, on a much smaller scale, one tactile kind of tangible thing you can do is to start exercising, having an opinion. So on a very small scale, like if somebody like your partner's like, what should we get for dinner? Instead of saying, I don't care, whatever you want, Mm. just even if you have to blurt it, like let's get Italian. Let's. I think I would like pizza, just small exercises of here's my opinion. And then I'm not saying have grandiose, like political opinions about shit you don't feel educated on. I'm not talking about that. The Mm. little things that you do know, like, you know, no, I think I'd rather go home right now. Yeah. Or, you know, no, I don't think I want to go to that event. Just start following that gut because we have it. Mm. But then we do what I call the cognitive override, where we go, oh, no, no, we better make sure everybody else is okay. Start looking for little tiny ways to flex opinion uh, mm. that are really innocuous and can be, can really build that muscle over time. Oh, that, that is so good right there. Do you feel like that's
1: what stops a lot of people? Is it like they instantly go, okay, this is, and we all, we all know it like that little voice just comes up and it's just a little bit too quiet. Like, do you find that people then go exactly what you said, where it's like, Oh, what about everybody else? And Oh, my opinion yes. doesn't matter. Like, and that's the biggest thing that gets in people's way. It's,
0: It certainly can, and that right there is incredibly nuanced, depending on the person. Obviously, there's a ridiculous amount of socialization that's happening there, patriarchy, disproportionately that women are told to be subservient and to, I mean, think about how many idioms we have just around not speaking up. Don't rock the boat, sweep it under the rug, don't Mm -hmm. open up a can of worms. They're all about shut the fuck up and just go along to get along. Fuck, so, I've never, thought, of that. <laughs> never right. thought about it like that. Yeah. Crazy. I'm glad you have the same idioms over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were like. <laughs> I never quite know. Uh, and I'm like, what was, do you mean a can of worms? No. <laughs> uh, why would you open a can of worms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but those are all, uh, I mean, even in the ways that we say we have to decline something, we have to tell someone, no, what do we say? I feel bad that isn't an emotion or we say i feel guilty just because we're doing something to stand up for ourselves we're taking on the emotional responsibility of other people and that's a very difficult thing to to break free from but we all have that unrest we all have that little intuition which i think is our internal compass our own divinity our god internally that's going hey no go this direction but then we come in with all of our conditioning, all of the patriarchy, all of our family of origin shit, and we do the cognitive override. So if you can just start heightening the awareness around those instances and, and then doing what I like to call declaring the do-over, where you say, here's what I'm going to do differently next time. The next time somebody asks me what I want for dinner, I'm going to tell them exactly what I want for dinner. The next time somebody says, do you want to go to this event? And I really don't, I am going to decline with grace. I'm going to say, thank you so much for thinking of me. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it. Truly hope you can understand, have something that you're ready to, to deliver Mm -hmm. those, because this is what happens. This is what we don't realize how this is completely tied to self-worth. Every time we put somebody else's emotions and thoughts, opinions, and needs in front of our own, we are creating this building block over time that says to us, everyone else matters more than you. That's self-worth. So then no wonder we're not starting our business. No wonder we're not attracting the love of our life. No wonder fill in the fucking blank because we are perpetuating this belief that everyone else is more important than us. So constantly putting everyone in front of yourself is poison disguised as nobility. We think that it's noble. <sighs> that right? feels, my god, yeah. <laughs> we think it's so amazing and what you're being is a liar. Mm. It's lying. It, you cannot claim that you value authenticity and keep putting everybody in front of yourself. You can't. Mm. It's antithetical. I could get going on oh and on about God, that. Yeah, no, I
1: love this. I feel like we've opened a can of worms and I'm like, oh, this <laughs> could just take us into a whole other podcast episode, but this is great. And like, what do you feel for those that then go, okay, I'm going to start doing this and I'm going to start really honoring myself and I'm no longer going to be lying and I'm going to like really honor that. What then happens? So then if they start doing that, what, what are some of the obstacles that then come on the other side? Cause I think, you know, it's so easy to be like, okay, go do this. And then they do it. And then they come up against all these obstacles as a result of it. And then they're like, fuck, I need to tap out and go on back to just doing what everybody else needs. Like, what are some of yep. the scenarios that you see happen there and how can they
0: preempt those so that they're prepared? Well, I think the largest, the, the, the most common prevailing one is when people don't like the boundary vocal version of you. People who throughout your life love the version of you that acquiesces and gives in and is just always at the ready. And that can be incredibly jarring. In fact, I'm going through that with a student right now where she has become so bolstered and recognized that some stuff from her family of origin is, you know, specifically with her mom. She's kind of ghosting her mom and kind of going dark. And her mom's kind of like, what's happening here so it's another one of those places where self help can go wrong where we don't then clean up our messes we then don't have these thoughtful conversations so that that can be you know incredibly difficult i'm not saying that any of it's easy but i think again if people are like wait who are you wait what is this acknowledging first of all that This must be different for you, you know, being compassionate to the other person. Depending on how it is, like if it's a very abusive relationship, we don't need to even be a part of that. But if it's somebody who, like a friendship that you're just kind of fizzling away from, Mm. and they're like, "What happened to you?" You can say, "Listen, I have recognized that there are things that you're involved in that that aren't. It's not in alignment with who I want to be at the at the moment, and I don't." you know, I wish you completely well, but it's not something that I want to hang out. It depends on the situation. It really does. But I think the biggest piece of this, I I went through this with sort of my evolution and starting to speak up with my mom and to say, you know, like she would invite me to church or she would give me different literature or things like that. And I, I would say that's really highly offensive to me because I've expressed to you that this is not something I subscribe to. I don't give you books on Wiccan or astrology or like anything like that. So I would just appreciate the same respect in return and to have those conversations and to expect guilt trips. That's one of them is that people will likely start hurling guilt your way. And I have a metaphor for that. I like to think of it as, you know, think of yourself as a house and then you know, you have all these intricacies and you might have rooms. You don't want to see, have people see, but you know, you've got your shit together, you're on stable ground. And then you've got people who come and drop shit on your porch, right? That is people walking up to you going, here's guilt trips. You you know, you should know better than that. You know, whatever it might wait. What do you mean? You don't have room for me. You know, anything that's like guilt criticisms rejections. And so we have an opportunity to go, okay, that sucks. That stinks, but I'm not bringing it into my house. Mm. I can still recognize like that shitty literally, but I'm not bringing it into my house. It's not going to define me. It's going to not going to change the structure of my house. Now, conversely, you might have somebody who drops off a gift on your porch. That's compliments. That's accolades. That's rich friendships. That's people who love you and adore you you can choose to bring that into the house because sure, why not? It's healthy. It feels good. It's amazing. You can enjoy that, but it does not mean that the house is now valuable. You already were valuable, period. Mm. So if you think about, I, I use this visual all the time, when anyone is guilt tripping me or trying to tell me that I'm wrong for feeling the way that I feel, I imagine them holding a giant pile of shit and like they are trying to give it to me. And I'm like, you're trying to give me your shit right now. I'm not And so one of my favorite favorite phrases that I say all the time is I'm currently not accepting any piles of shit. So you're going to need to hold on to that. You're going to need to take care of that. But I think there's that recognition, especially when we start speaking up, somebody doesn't like it. They start hurling insults or, oh, well, look who's all evolved now. Or, you know, I've had friends like, well, we can't all be a life coach and guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip. I'm like, that sucks. That hurts to hear. And it's not mine to carry. I'm currently not accepting any piles of shit. Get it away from my house. And that's taken many, many, many years. And it sometimes involves sadness, right? Like sometimes hearing those things, especially if you're highly empathic or a highly sensitive person, you feel that. And it's recognizing, okay, I understand what's happening, but that isn't mine to carry. It's Mm -hmm. not mine to carry. That can be stinky and shitty, but it's not mine to carry. And so that usually means we have to feel through something. We have to grieve through through something. Um, yeah,
1: that's good. I love the house metaphor. I feel like you need to get um, like doormats made up. That's like, empty <laughs> any piles of shit. <laughs> Keep your. I shit love that. My house. <laughs> I feel like that would be, yeah. I would love that. I would definitely put that out my front door. I think that's so great. But it's it's such a nice, easy, and I love metaphors, I love visualizations, all that sort of stuff that just makes it really easy and it's a beautiful tool to come back to when when that does happen, because obviously it will at some point being able to yeah. be like, no, be the house. I'm not bringing, I'm not bringing the shit in. I'm only accepting gifts, like no shit here. You can keep your shit. So yeah, that's yes. good. That is so, so good. Oh, I feel like this conversation could go on forever. It's, you're a <laughs> wealth well of knowledge on this topic and I love it so much, but obviously we will have to wrap it up. But I do know that you have an amazing book, Stand Up For Yourself Without Being A Dick. Um, yes. And I feel like that would be an amazing tool. Can you tell us what's inside
0: that? Just a little overview and how people can get access to that as well? Sure. So if you go over to my website, which is thejoyjunkie.com and junkie is J U N K I E, you'll see it right there. You can grab it as completely free ebook and audiobook. And what that encompasses is nine specific challenges that you can do in order to help catapult your self confidence and your self worth. And so I feel very strongly about actual tactile. Tangible steps because personal development is so heady. It's like just love yourself. Oh great, I'll get right fucking on that. I can't wait. We wow how? So in in the ebook, you'll see that there are nine different challenges that you can take on. There's only one, I believe, two or two that need to be done in order. But you can just kind of skim and look at like, okay, here's what I'm going to work on today. Here's what I'm going to try out, and and. Give yourself some action behind the stuff that we're talking about. So it lays things out a little more literally. Mm -hmm. And I have a podcast and free hypnosis tracks, all sorts of free shit over there. So just go over, get all your loot, hang out, whatever, whatever speaks to you. Amazing.
1: No, honestly, so many resources. And looking at your website, like it is exactly that. There's everything that you could need. So definitely go and check that one out, guys. And we will pop that in the show notes for you as well. So it's super easy to go and grab it. Um, one thing that I do love to wrap up and to just ask our guests is, you know, if there's anything on your heart right now that feels like it needs to come through. One final thing that you could leave our li- our listeners with. Maybe it's something that we spoke about and you really just want to drill at home, or maybe it's something completely different and it's just coming mm-hmm. through now what would it be?
0: You know, the, the thing that I often really want to impart and underline is that personal development is not academia. You can't check off the boxes. You can't turn in a report. You can't do a perfect worksheet. You have to really do the work. And the bitch of it is that you're never done you don't arrive. It's about continually doing what I like to call the field work. It's not, it's not just cognitively understanding it. It's really doing those things. It's practicing speaking up. It's catching your inner critic. It's figuring out where you complain the most. It's looking at when does my silence make me a liar? You look at all of those things and then do something about it. But be compassionate with yourself on the journey. A lot of times, when you are listening to people who are on these shows or who are experts, they have been living this shit for decades in a really hard way and have been curled up on the bathroom floor, crying their eyes out with way too much alcohol in their system. So just know, like, it's not as easy as a nice, tidy podcast show looks. It's not. And I I recognize that, but if you keep taking one step forward, you will get there. You will get there to get to the place where confidence and self-worth is the norm. And then those little blips in the radar, those down in the dumps days are the outlier. And that's the ratio you want to switch. You want to kind of flip it. And I will also say we need an extra dose of this compassion because of what we've been contending with in the world currently, whether it be quarantine or social justice issues, or for us in the US, the shit show of our government, like there, I mean, it is such an extra traumatic grief filled time. Mm. So be graceful with yourself, be gentle with yourself, any awareness, any inquiry, any new behavior is you changing. So Mm -hmm. applaud that, please. Mm -hmm.
1: Beautiful way to finish. Thank you so much. This has just been such a joy. No surprise because you're the joy. (laughs) joy. I see (laughs) what you did there. I know. I know. (laughs) Didn't even plan that one out. Um, But seriously, Amy, this has been so great. Thank you so much. For those that want to connect with you further outside of the podcast, please pimp yourself out. Tell them where they can
0: find you online. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the the hub of all things, my corner of the internet is the joy And that's where you can see the podcast freebies are, you know, I've been doing a podcast with my husband. So I know you mm. have sort of that understanding of what that's like. Uh, we've been doing it for seven or eight years, something like that. It's been quite a while. So we have a litany of of episodes that might be helpful for you as well. And my kind of social media platform that I prefer is Insta. So i I'm at the Joy Junkie on on Insta and pretty much every other platform, but that's where I really prefer to hang up. Like like any like any good Gen Xer. <laughs> I have been toying with TikTok, admittingly, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I I just like, I'm just a voyeur. I just like to watch it all. I don't, I don't think I have the energy or the fortitude to actually record anything for it. Honestly. And it's so easy to be like, I'm just
1: doing research for things that are trending that I could do a video on <laughs> six hours later, just still just in the TikTok hole. Like it's, it's very yes. addictive, but it is fun over yeah. there and he's hoping it continues to hang around. We'll see. <laughs>
0: so eye roll yes
1: (laughs) whole other topic but anyway my love thank you so much for coming on the show honestly it's been absolutely amazing so appreciate you oh likewise thank you
0: thank you